You are listening to Aldrin Sampia on SAFM. It is 10 minutes now after 5 o'clock. We're in conversation next with Dr. Lingwen Lovu, Senior Lecturer at Witts School of Governance. And on the interview this afternoon, we're focusing on promises that were made, challenges, successes, and some broken promises. That is, following the State of the Nation address that was uh, delivered year, last year by President Cyril Ramaphosa. For, for tonight, it all system goes for the State of the Nation address, and South Africans, some of them at least, are eagerly awaiting for President Cyril Ramaphosa's address. As usual, we expect the address to be frank on challenges faced by the country and also reflect on successes made by the administration since La Zona. So as we come down to tonight's address, we ask what has been achieved since last year's SONA. For instance, in last year's SONA, the president mentioned um, building a capable state and professionalization of the public service. Where are we in relation to that? And what are some of the obstacles that are preventing South Africa from achieving some of these objectives? Dr. Tlenyu Ndovu now joining us on the line, Senior Lecturer at Witts School of Governance. Dr. Ndovu, good evening and thank you so much for making time for us. Do you think when the President takes to the podium today, considering what some of the promises that were made in his State of the Nation address last year, that he would have a good story to tell? Good evening and good evening to your listeners as well. Um, we remain hopeful because he has to, whether he has a, a, a good story to tell or not, he has to tell a good story, not just um, for South Africans to remain hopeful, but uh, for his own accountability. However, for what we've known, um, over the past year, since the last SONA address, we haven't seen so much change. We've seen more challenges instead of more changes. And um, I don't think there is any way to look at success um, whilst we are clouded by the problems at ESCOM. ESCOM right now presents uh, one of the major challenges in the South African economy for um, individual household and for everyone um, across the country. And um, this is very telling in terms of uh, how things have been, especially with the focus on improving the state entities and um, everything else that has been promised since the last summer. So I don't think there is a good story to tell. And um, But South Africans remain hopeful that maybe, maybe something might come out, but we're yet to see what is it that is going to come out of the, of, of the address today. And, and speaking about ESCOM, when the president addresses the nation tonight, ESCOM would be in a worse state than what it was last year when he addressed the nation. But last year also, he promised that the that ESCOM's unbundling process would have been completed by December 2022. And that hasn't happened. The problem with ESCOM is that we keep on having new challenges each and every day. So it would seem like um, there is no solution to ESCOM currently. And you would see this silent push towards privatization. Because if you are saying uh, this is a state-owned entity that keeps on having a problem after problem, and uh, there are people sitting in governance uh, who are actually holding their hands and folding them and saying there is no solution to some of the issues going from bed to waste every day you're presenting a puzzle that cannot be solved and then are uh, pushing for um 
privatization and this is too worrying especially looking at the situation of most of um you know the communities in south africa the majority of south africans cannot afford already and the tariffs keep on increasing and increasing in an economy that is already struggling but also um we're paying for electricity that we don't even have access to um so um i'm not quite sure if um if but the president will be opening his mouth today to say anything about ESCOM. What would it be that is going to make a difference, at least uh, to the ears of the South Africans? Then another parastatal is a transnet. Um, and when you look at the remarks that have been made by the Minerals Council and also their call for Portia um, W. Lewis to be, um, to be chucked off, the CEO, to be, to be done away with, um, it seems as though that Transnet again is worse off. Definitely worse off. Um, I mean, um, we've seen Transnet come and go different phases. If you go to the park station today um, and then see the state, um, you know, uh, of um, the public, you know, um, transport and all of that. It's um, very worrying in terms of where are we headed as a country. But the question is, is it a solution to keep on asking for people's herds and people mm. who, are, who are occupying these different spaces if we're asking for their herds to be chopped who are we replacing them with because this is something that we've been doing over the past 10 years cabinet reshuffle is one of the things that have always been on the card always been happening yeah has it solved our problems um, definitely not we haven't seen the changing of different portfolios and different um you know, uh, people are leading these um, institutions, making any change, uh, especially in terms of service delivery and um, the everyday running of these different entities. Yeah, and, and speaking about the challenges of some of these, uh, some of these uh, uh, SOEs. Sorry, I said Porsche Dabi Lewis. It's Porsche Dabi who is the CEO of, of of Transnet. Is that again another promise that was made um, during the State of the Nation address? Is the establishment of um, a a state uh, SOE holding company, which for me almost signaled the end of having a public enterprises ministry. But what else they're supposed to do is also look into which SOEs we can do away with as a country. But I remember this back from 2019, I think, during the budget speech of um, the former minister of, of, of finance, Tito Mboweni, who mentioned that they will be looking at some of these SOEs and see which ones are sustainable and which one, once the state can continue, um, conti can continue operating, on which ones they should privatize and do away with. But still, that list is still not out. The list is still not out. Whether we're going to see the list anytime soon, I'm not quite sure. Um, what we've seen, um, you know, uh, in the case of SAA, we've seen what happened there. I think um, ESCOM is on the line. But also, what will be the difference, you know, uh, uh, from, um, you know, what, what difference does um, the shareholding company bringing 
what is it? It's still a state-owned um, company. So um, what is it that is different from the current struggling SOEs that is going to be brought, um, you know, uh, by uh, this company? But also uh, the problem, the other problem that we have in South Africa is to is to evade problems and come up with a new problem instead of a solution. So we keep on establishing these committees, these uh, commissions, these, um, you know, uh, different entities instead of solving uh, the existing problems. So the SOEs are struggling. Um, do we have a, a workable plan? Uh, not yet. Uh, the one that is tangible, as you are tracing this back as back as uh, 2019. I mean, it's almost four years now, and um, there is no change that we see. Yet the problems continue, and um, this is at the cost um, of the livelihoods of many South Africans who are at the receiving end of, of um, the dysfunctionality of these different entities. So um, even there, I, I don't think we we are any hopeful anymore in South Africa, but we need um, some form of a, a radical stance that we need to take as a country to see the transformation through, because uh, it seems like um, the government continues to govern through speeches, and those speeches ain't making any difference. And speaking about um, some of these SOEs, again, Prasa, um, one of those CEO, CEOs, um, SOEs, sorry, um, the president last year speaking about the poor state of passenger rail in South Africa has and it having a direct impact on the uh, having a direct impact on the lives of of our people. But at least with Prasa, there seems to have been some movement that has been made with the opening of some of these corridors. But we know during the height of COVID nineteen, our railway infrastructure disappeared, and no yeah, one has been prosecuted to date. Yes, uh, definitely the infrastructure disappeared. No one um, got prosecuted. And uh, I think it is the same language that we're hearing from ESCOM even now, that the infrastructure keeps on, you know, there is vandalism that happens here and there. And, um, you know, no one seems to be held accountable or anyone even watching. Um, but you've got these um, all entities, you know, employing uh, these large numbers of people, um, but wondering what exactly is happening there and who is even in charge of that. So, of course, we've seen um, some uh, progress to a certain extent in terms of uh, PRASA, but uh, if there is no accountability in terms of um, who did what and what is happening and how do we even stop um, you know, uh, this from further happening if you have an entire in infrastructure disappearing and not holding anyone accountable? What is the plan in terms of moving forward? So it would seem like um, we, we are neglecting these different sectors of the economy, yet they are very key um, you know, for the everyday running of the country. And then a final one, cabinet um, and the size of the cabinet. One of the issues that was raised a bit earlier on by one of our listeners was that uh, when the president came in, there was a promise that the that uh, cabinet will be downsized. Well, there was an attempt to downsize it, um, although it be marginally so. Um, but now some people believe that cabinet is still too bloated. The cabinet is still too plotted. I think some of the portfolios are du I duplicate um, of others. 
um, I think we're getting a sense that there is nothing much going in terms of, um, you know, the actual implementation of some of um, the plans and proposals that are put into place. The problem that we're having, I think, currently is that um, from this sauna to the next sauna, what we'll hear more is uh, political backlist, political fines, you know, more than uh, the actual transformation and implementation of what has been proposed. So um, the cabinet are uh, being plotted a very key, you know, issue um, for South Africans because number one, it takes away from um, the, the money from the state, the taxpayers' money that is funding the cabinet and all of that. But most importantly, are there any clear roles in terms of what are these people doing? Um, are they even supposed to be duplicating some of the roles? Do they even understand the task and all of those things? So those are important questions. Unlike where you have a smaller cabinet that um, you know understands the, the the scope and the breadth of the task at hand. Um, it is more better, more manageable. But currently, um, the president has made so many promises, and uh, we are yet to see uh, what he says in terms of the update. Because I would believe that um, the purpose of the zona is to recap mm. in terms of the progress that has been made from the previous zona. Tell us um, in terms of uh, how far you've come. What what is it that uh, you've implemented? Where are the challenges in terms of uh, where there are setbacks and how are you planning you know, to move forward before you even promise new things um, without having covered what was said last year? Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Klingerin Lovu, a senior lecturer at the Witz School of Governance. We're taking your calls on 086-000-2032 and your voice notes on 0614-104-107. Some of your expectations ahead of the President's State of the Nation address and also maybe some recollection that you have of some of the promises that have been made, some which have actually been fulfilled and some which remain broken. Tweet at SFM Radio and at Aldrin Simpia. We continue to reflect on President Cyril Ramaphosa's State of the Nation address from last year, looking at some of the promises um, that have been made and some of the promises that um, have been fulfilled and some of those still remain broken. Also, on the issue of safety and security, the president said cabinet accepted responsibility for the unrest that rocked Gauteng, KwaZulu-Natal, almost two years ago. That is the July unrest. But what is even more worrying is this time around, just yesterday, the National Treasury warned that continuous power cuts could ignite civil unrest, which then makes me wonder if our government is ready to avert another possible unrest. Uh, Dr. Chris DeCock is now joining us on the line, crime analyst and former head of uh, the Crime Information Analysis Center at the South African Police Service. Dr. de Kock, do you think that the country is ready for any possibility of a civil unrest as being mooted here by the National Treasury? Good afternoon. Good afternoon and good afternoon to the listeners. I, I'm very skeptical if we are better, better prepared. Uh, you know, the, the, the riots that we had in July 21 was a very specific kind of, of it was actually more mass looting. And, 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 and the police were not prepared for that. Actually, it is very difficult for the police to be pre- prepared for that because you can't use your normal riot control measures in a situation like that. That will very quickly turn very ugly and the police may be killed. 
so so they were ill-prepared then, and I think they are still. Uh, there's no indication that they are better prepared and that we have look at legislation. What are we going to do when we get mass looting? Uh, because, you know, in many countries, there's specific, specific legislation which gives the, 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 the riot police or the public order police certain rights, which it seems doesn't work in South Africa. Mm-hmm. What about... Then, uh, also, wh- then also, also, I think um, I have seen nothing that gives me more confidence that our intelligence services... Okay is on top and that they can see such riots or such looting coming. That, that was actually the point that I was going to raise around intelligence, but also what the, what that expert report also pointed to was the lack of coherent communication between the various arms in the um, security cluster, but even within the police as well. Yeah, no, that's, that's true. And um, I think that the intelligence services uh, some of them or some people within the intelligence service were sympathetic towards the, the that's my view, that were sympathetic towards the people who were behind those riots. And, uh, and that is where the communication went wrong and they didn't warn and they didn't have warning intelligence because they were clearly not prepared what happened there. I mean, a week earlier or a few days earlier on the Sunday, they were prepared for that mass uh, meeting near Nkangla or on on the way to Nkangla. And there the police actually handled it very, very uh, correctly. The report also points out um, that there were no meetings, um, the NICOC meetings were not taking place as they were supposed to. Um, I don't know if, if things have changed now, but what would you say some of, some of the priorities should be of the president, considering also that he, he forms part of NICOC, um, when it comes to intelligence coordination as well as safety and security in general? No, well, I think when it comes to intelligence coordinating, uh, coordination, that is very important. And the intelligence services through NICOC or at NICOC talk to each other they 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 um, uh, look at each other's reports. At NICOC, usually a combined report are compiled. Now those kind of things should happen on a routinely on a daily daily basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also the problem is that our intelligence services and by, by name, crime intelligence it seems and uh, and uh, SSA were you know I mean the, the factionalism. The political factions that you find. Do you think that services. now that intelligence is in yes. the presidency, that that factionalism is gone? Uh, I, 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 I can't see how that would change it dramatically. I mean, if the factions, if you don't remove people who, who are participating in these political, in the in the intelligence services, uh, it won't change. Oh. Dr. Chris DeCock, thank you so much for your time. Crime analyst and former head of the Crime Information Analysis Center at the South African Police Service. Some of your expectations, 0614-104-107. You can also drop me a tweet at Aldrin Simpia and our studio line is 86 So in about an hour and a half, the president will be delivering his State of the Nation address.